0: You for tuning in to episode 121 of The Virtual Couch. I'm your host, Tony Overbay. I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist, certified Mindful habit coach, writer, speaker, husband, father of four, ultra-marathon runner, and creator of The Path Back, an online pornography addiction recovery program that is helping people reclaim their lives from the harmful effects of pornography. If you or anyone that you know is struggling to put pornography behind them once and for all, and trust me, it can be put behind you. And when you do put it behind you, you discover that you are capable of a lot of things that your brain had tried to convince you otherwise simply to keep you turning back to pornography. And you'll realize that you were carrying a very heavy backpack full of shame. So uh, you hadn't really realized that it had gotten so heavy. So please head over to pathbackrecovery.com and there you can download a short ebook that describes five common mistakes that people make when trying to overcome pornography. Again, that is pathbackrecovery.com. And please visit Virtual Couch on Instagram. Now you can find a Virtual Couch page on Facebook. That is, that is new. Previously, I was simply pointing people to Tony Overbay, licensed marriage and family therapist. But uh, go like them both. Why not? And if you have a minute and you have enjoyed any of the Virtual Couch podcast material over the last 120 episodes, um, please do me a solid, as the kids uh, more likely used to say. And rate, review, subscribe the podcast wherever you get your podcast. All right. I am going to dive right into my interview today because we cover my guest, Amy Twig's background in the beginning. and and I'm telling you, um, I wanted to have some sort of uh, buckle up seat belt kind of uh, metaphor. But prepare yourself to want to end a podcast and just go do something, you know, possibly more than like you've ever wanted to do something before. I remember it had me thinking about this. I remember as a kid watching basketball on TV. I just I loved basketball. And even if it was a good game, sometimes just watching it made me want to play, made me get antsy. And so I would get up and I would go outside and I would play and then I would remember, oh, yeah, that was a good game. So then I would come in and the game is over. And there, now that you think about it, there was no internet. The newspaper might not, might not report the score of that particular game the following day. And I may never find out who won. Okay, I'm having a total how-did-we-survive-back-then kind of old-man moment. You know, my wife and I talk about this often. How do we find places, directions? You know, I, you know you'd call places and they would say, uh, you know, find this landmark, take a left, whatever. If you got lost and you didn't have a cell phone, you had to find another payphone. It's crazy. And my kids won't even know about that. But I digress. Um, anyway, here we go. My guest, Amy Twiggs, is a sports performance coach. And uh, then this video is on the Virtual Couch YouTube page, by the way. So if you want to see what pure enthusiasm looks like, then uh, this is one to go find on that Virtual Couch YouTube channel. And while you're there, hit the little subscribe button as well as well, because Amy is just this pure enthusiasm. Um, She's also a weight loss coach. She's written books. She works with amateur and professional athletes in the world of mental training. And even if you're not an athlete, the things that Amy talks about in this interview are guaranteed to change the way that you see challenges. She is a former national team member and elite gymnast, and she graduated from Stanford with a degree in psychology. And you can find her at amytwigs.com, A-M-Y-T-W-I-G-G-S.com. And I'll have these links in the show notes as well. Um, And also at flippinawesomecoaching.com, F-L-I-P-P-I-N, and then awesomecoaching.com. So, Let's get to my guest, Amy Twigs. Okay, Amy, we're rolling. Okay, all right. Uh, hey, Amy, welcome to the podcast. Thanks, Tony. Yeah, I just probably gave you a really cool intro, by the way. I went on <laughs> and on about because uh, I think I was telling you off uh, off camera. Is that the right way to put it? Yeah. But once I started digging into your background, and you you know you have coaching programs and books, and you're uh, I don't know. You do, you, you do a lot. So get You know. Get used to the virtual couch. I need you back. All right. I would love to be there
1: as much as possible.
0: Okay. All right. So first your background, tell, tell me, tell me about you. You are an, you are an athlete.
1: I was. So I was on the national team for gymnastics. I competed for Stanford university. Um, huh. and since then I have a gym, I own a gymnastic facility. I was a commentator for college meets. I, I am a sports performance and weight coach and I, I help professional baseball players, swimmers, gymnasts, whatever it is, you know, so right now what I've been doing for 20 years since I graduated from college, I've written a few books this last year. I decided since we're talking about confidence this last year, I decided, Hey, I'm going to write a few of the the things I've been helping athletes with. I'll just throw them into books. So I wrote three books this year. And then I just wrote a fourth one about weight loss just because it was fun. And, but right before every single time I launched, I had this anxiety going oh my gosh who is gonna read this and what if they read it and then they're like she doesn't know how to write you know, there's okay. all that.
0: yeah are you, are you familiar with uh, are you familiar with imposter syndrome do you know that concept oh, yeah, yeah so uh, that I, boy we are uh, kindred souls I mean I still almost before every podcast I, I feel like okay what if this is the one where everybody realizes I'm a fraud you know and they don't <laughs> listen anymore that sort of thing yeah. Oh,
1: yeah yeah no my husband held me like a baby before my last book I'm like what am I doing who do I think I am right yeah all this—it's supposed to. That's what—that's what's great about life, right? But yeah. anyway, so I've written four books this last year, and everything that that I enjoy doing, and my passion is selling beliefs. So I—I always say I have this belief boutique. I like to sell beliefs, high-end beliefs that are not your cheap ones that you've been regurgitating and repeating in your past. I like to sell the ones that are like the Gucci brand, the ones that you have to go to Paris to find that are way out of your your sales bracket. Let's get you way up there. So I like to sell beliefs. That's what so I that love. An
0: example. What's an example of a Gucci belief? I like that. I like that concept.
1: Oh, <laughs> this is what it is. It's like an athlete saying, um, like a coach telling an athlete they got this. Like, you got this. I hear this all the time. Coaches are like, but she's got it. She's got it. She can do it. Why isn't she doing it? I'm like, well, you don't go from... I'm going to crash and burn to, I've got this just because somebody tells you you've got it. So I get them to the exclamation points where they're like hundred percent in I a hundred percent know I'm going to do this and I'm going to perform exactly the way I want to perform, not uh-huh. for anybody else, but before for me. And I learn how to do that because I learn from going, it's like the affirmations affirmations are beautiful if they believe what there's what they're saying, but right. they don't work. If you're just going from "Do I really have this?" to "I have this," it doesn't work. And I have moms going, "But my child can totally do these things." I'm like, "Yeah, they can." But until they believe it, until they're shopping in New York and saying, "Yeah, I belong in this store," there's there's they're gonna stay in Walmart. Yeah. <laughs> comfortable hey.
0: here. Yeah. Right? Hey, so so- uh, oh, go ahead. I, I, well, I'm dying to know. So gymnastics, I am just fascinated by gymnastics in general. What were the, what were the, your go-to, what were your um, routines? What, what was your strength there?
1: Oh, I competed all around, but then I, I tore my ACL my freshman year, which wasn't a big deal because I still loved doing bars and beams. So I ended up being really, I still competed all around after I tore my ACL. So I came back and was able to do that. But my favorites ended up being bars and beam. Beam's always my all-time favorite. Well, the
0: one question I have? I mean, I can't imagine what that's like. I mean, does that just get to be? Is it a muscle memory thing? Is it a confidence thing? Is it a what is it?
1: For I mean, beam?
0: Yeah. I mean, I can't. I, when I see somebody just, I, I tried to actually just walk on the beam. <laughs> yeah. Down. So how do you go from just you know uh, the wobbly to you're doing flips and that sort of thing on there?
1: Right. Right. So for me, yeah. the beam. If you want to stay on beam. It's that affirmation. We, we take affirmations, we pull it down to keywords. We, and people call them keywords, lock, locking words. Um, if I want to stick a beam routine, all I do is think of the next word that makes me stick. That's it. And I create that word because I know for sure that is the thing that helps me get this next, this next moment huh. perfect the way I want it to be. So what's, so
0: that, an, what's an example of that?
1: So for example, oh, I had somebody I was working with yesterday. Her keyword for a tumbling pass, we created a, a full, like just two words for a full tumbling pass. And we created two affirmations that she works on every day. We pull it down to two words because there's one word than another, and it's faster, which reminds her of getting her hands into the ground faster, going into this forward flip, and then getting set up for her flip, she has to she has to stand tall. So mm. her word, we let them create it. So the only word she has is up. We only use one word at a time. Yeah. So it's faster than up, and every time she does it, she nails that, that pass. right? right. Yeah. So, oh, we put right everything down to nuggets that they believe. So, okay.
0: Well, that, okay. And so, that even, uh, maybe that gets into the what do you feel like is or isn't confidence? I mean, is that because I almost feel like what you're saying is uh are there people that then try to ground themselves on, I hope I don't mess up versus people that ground themselves on, you know, again, I got this?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I, I love working with people with anxiety. That's one of my favorites because anxiety comes from the what ifs, the unknowns. What if I crash? What if I don't perform the way the, the coach thinks i can what if i you know my my grandparents are here this time what if i don't show them what i'm capable of right yeah, so yeah. the anxiety builds up from the unknown and that's my favorite where we take all of that away because you create the anxiety yourself every time everybody creates like the fear of burnout the fear of failure the one that's even worse than those is the fear of success that's yeah we get to talk about okay. is the fear of okay now i've got this giant on bars now what are they going to make me do right yeah. Now what's going to happen? And then they start building up all these fears of now what? The unknown, the anxiety that they created from their own thoughts. And so then we take one thought at a time, which we have 40 to 60,000 thoughts. So it takes a little while, right? Every day. So we take a thought at a time and we challenge the thought and we realize that your brain, the the main goal of your lower brain is to keep you safe, the survival brain. So your lower brain is always helpful until it's not, Mm. right?
0: Yeah.
1: And we challenge those those 5% of the thoughts that are not very helpful and we fine-tune them to the point where we get them specific enough that you have no more anxiety. You take away the anxiety because we we challenge the thoughts that are creating the anxiety. So the anxiety to me, I'm like, oh you have anxiety? Perfect. Let's get rid of it. Let's go ahead and change it to this. And it's a it's going from Walmart to Target to, you know, to the mall to New York to Paris. It's just the baby steps getting there, mm-hmm. the belief boutique.
0: So I love that. So if somebody goes off and scores 30 points in a game, I mean, they do oftentimes, then it's like, okay, now, now people are expecting that from me. And, and the parents come or the whatever. I remember sitting in the stands this year with my son who had a great phenomenal season. And my wife and I said, we were, we were far more nervous than he was because Mm -hmm. as people started to come watch him, it's like, what what if he, what if he doesn't have a good game? What if he doesn't, you know? Um, So do you, do you work with parents as well?
1: Oh my goodness. I had a parent last night call me and she goes, I'm worried that my child is ready to be done. I said, why? And she said, because she's lost a skill. And so now she's discouraged all the time. I said, right, that's fine. But you don't want to have her quit now because she's stuck on a skill. Mm -hmm. The mom's like, but what about social life? I said, this is exactly what your brain wants to do. Your brain wants you to look for reasons why it would be a lot safer and easier and protecting your kid from any shame or embarrassment or hardship. by just, out now. They're a teenager. They should be with their friends. They should be in the gym all day. That's taken away from their childhood. I hear these things all the time. I'm like, is that true? Or is that just your brain trying to protect you from feeling um, uncomfortable when you see your child struggling?
0: Okay. You know, that's, uh, are you familiar with acceptance and commitment therapy out of curiosity? Do you know that? Uh, so that's my go-to therapy modality. It's funny. It is all about if we have a goal of whatever it is, getting better, um, you know, nurturing our talents, that sort of thing. Then um, we get this little dopamine rush of like, yeah, I want to do that. And then our brain immediately—they call it reason giving—but it's excuses. But okay. it's like, but, but it's like, well, what if I don't have time? Or what if there's not a gym nearby? Or what if we can't even afford it? Or what if I, you know? And so our brain's trying to hook or fuse us to these stories that if we if we believe and fuse to, then we right. don't have to do the work, right? right. So you, you nailed it. I mean, that's that's uh, that's it. So okay, let me ask you then. Um, yeah. I could go a million different directions.
1: Yes, uh, I think, I'm so excited. I have so much to tell you.
0: <laughs> no. Worries. Uh, I think I didn't even let you finish with that. I went on. Talk about confidence. What is confidence? What is not confidence?
1: Hey, confidence is your ability to trust yourself, knowing that um, you can handle any emotion, including failure, without being harmed at all. And it's your overall opinion of yourself. So there's different pillars to it. The biggest pillar is learning how to trust yourself because we're not born with confidence. Confidence doesn't just like drop on us when we're born and the other person's like, sorry, you don't get it. Mm-hmm. Only this. Part. It's it, every time you show up for yourself, you're learning confidence. Confidence comes from you have a circumstance, right? Doesn't matter what circumstance. There's a basketball game, mm-hmm. so you have a basketball, and sometimes people will like slam the basketball down because they'll think the basketball made it so that they weren't able to perform, right? right? Yeah. Or the the tension of the gym, too many people around, whatever the excuses, right? You have a circumstance that has no impact on how you feel, but then you have this committed thought or non committed thought that creates courage, right? I call it the, the five C's to confidence. So you have, you've created this courage from this committed thought, which increases your capabilities, which increases your confidence. And then it goes back to, Hey, I'm still committed because my confidence has increased. When you think the basketball has created this detriment to your abilities, then you're giving all the power to the ball instead of giving it to yourself. You okay. get to create that power every single time you show up for yourself. And that confidence grows when you say, Hey, the ball didn't make me mess up. I chose a thought that increased my doubt in myself, and I forgot my cue words that helped me perform perfectly every time, and that was all on me. My responsibility and my power is always on me. When you start taking responsibility for the failure, for the fear, and that's a part that you have to feel. One thing I have to say is, as a gymnast, I was taught to push away all the negative negative. Okay. for 18 years of my competitive life like do not feel negative in fact we were very um there's consequence if you if you were showing tears and negative things then you were kind of shunned a little bit right okay. and and that's just the way the sport is is yeah. you and the only thing that you you smile on the podium right so i work with a lot of athletes who win and who are trying for the olympic trials and they win all the time and they feel no excitement
0: I'm okay i wondered about that before because in one sense we're trying to oh this they're this uh stone cold, you know, killer on the court or that sort of thing, or how do they, do you feel like over time though, they've created a, almost like a negative relationship with those emotions or is it?
1: Yeah, Well, it's not even negative. They just don't allow them. them
0: And when you
1: push things away, when you don't, it's like, you're not human because humans feel everything. And all of us humans do things to not have to feel negative emotions. Emotions are everything. Everything you're trying to do as an athlete, as a parent for your athlete, we want to feel something. We want to feel excited. We want to feel certain. We want to feel sure that they're going to be out there performing those 30 points every time so they can get the college scholarship Mm -hmm. to the top school of their choice, right? You want to feel that certainty for them and you can't transport that into them. So you want them to feel it too. That everything that you're feeling off the court for your child is everything that you're doing is because of a feeling you're having. Mm-hmm. So if you're trying to get them the best coaches and they don't have the money for the best coaches, it's because you feel like, you know what, let's go take our 401k out and make sure they get the best coaches. It's because you feel this desire to make sure that they have the best. It comes from a feeling a feeling of hope, a feeling of, I can do it for them, right? You can't.
0: Yeah. Well, and let me ask you this. And there's no, I, I hope you can kind of see where I'm going with this one. Cause I believe that everyone can. I go on tangents, Tony. And oh, I talk God. fast. So you have to listen fast. This is me too. I, I, I'm very open about my ADD. So sometimes I feel like, okay, oh, this feels good. But it, are people listening going, wait a minute. They never talked about this, you know? Uh, so I feel like we should almost have uh, it, it should be labeled as, you know, Tony's ADD uh, podcast. <laughs> Featuring Amy Twigs, and then... With her ADD. Okay, good. And then we just lock in. Uh, yes. so, so when um, there's a phrase... And I know these are just gener- generic or general phrases, but I've heard one before where, you, you know, what's the best way to create a good athlete? Um, pick their parents, you know? I mean, and, and you know, I've heard that before. And I think that has to do with uh, everything from like fast and slow muscle twitch to height to whatever. But do you feel like uh, the mental component, do you feel like... I know it can be learned, um, but do you feel like there are people that are just... It is, it is far easier for them to kind of get the mental game.
1: Um,
0: Do you ever run into people that kind of really struggle with that piece, I guess?
1: With their self-confidence?
0: No, like with this being able to, oh yeah, yeah, with their self-confidence, with the, with the ability to kind of um, not uh, freak out on the court and not kind oh. of you know lose their focus or?
1: No, totally. Because all of a sudden they're distracted by everything that doesn't matter. Mm-hmm. Everything outside of their control is causing them to play a game that they're not even in. Yeah, their yeah. mind out.
0: Right? So do, you like are, do you feel like there are people though, that have a natural ability that, that it's more easy for them to, when they get on a court to stay focused, or do you feel like that's something that everybody has kind of had to nurture and learn that that gets to that level that you were at?
1: Yeah, no, I, I really think, okay, so that's kind of the nurture nature, like is yeah, the age yeah. before the keeping kind of thing, yeah. right? Yeah. So I, like I said, I don't think that confidence is just like, blessed on okay. certain people okay. i think that some people have an uh, kind of this um uh, propensity i guess is the word to show up for themselves better from a very young age where they all of a sudden they jump on a bike and they're willing to say hey dad go away i want to try by myself they yeah. start learning how to be okay with failure now that's the biggest thing to me is okay. the more they're willing to fail the resilience the willingness to it's like gymnasts; they fall off the beam a 100 times a day but when they go to the meet if they fall fall off they think there's something inherently wrong with them well, falling off is part of everything mm, and yeah. then bouncing back up is the is the result of who gets to move on yeah. right
0: yeah. right
1: so the failure if you learn how to be okay with scraping your knees as a child then you're going to get that confidence the daily reassurance to yourself that you're okay with anything that you're okay with scratching up your knees you're okay with landing on your face that's okay yeah. that doesn't mean that you because here's my beautiful. I, this is one thing about um so you talk about christian yeah right yeah So I'm a member of the Church of Jesus Christ of Latter-day Saints. And one of the things I love saying to people who have a Christian faith is, hey, we've been given gifts. We, number one, are given a body. So when you come from a foundation of nothing's gone wrong ever, we're 100% okay no matter what happens here. Because Mm -hmm. our foundation is we didn't create ourselves. Right? We were given this body that we're like, hey, now what? Hey, you were given this body. You were given agency. What do you want to do with that failure today? You were given a divine light that keeps this indomitable divine desire to keep trying something else. This Mm. curiosity-based, the only reason why we do anything is because out of of a feeling of curiosity, what else am I capable of? And if you're afraid of failure, afraid of burnout, afraid of success, then all that does is block you from what you could be capable of doing, right? It's just closing off um, the ability for your brain to go, but you might be able to do this. The possibilities are this way, but as soon as you let a fear come in, you're like, fear is not a problem. Fear is yeah. totally not. It's just another feeling, right? A vibration created by your mind. But when you have the agency to choose, the choice, and you have this body, and then you have another day, and then you have this light inside of you, then what? Yeah. There's, there's no limits. Yeah. Right? There's yeah. nothing to say you're not good enough because you got a, you're, you're better because you got a scholarship to Harvard, right? Or you're not good enough because you only got a silver at the Olympic medals at the gold at the Olympics, there's nothing that's going to take away that foundation of hundred percent. You're already good enough. You could sit home all day and be a hidden hedonist and you'd still be hundred percent good enough. Mm. The reason why we don't sit there is because we have this, I like the phrase divine discontent that I've heard at one of those talks, okay. um, divine discontent. There's something inside of us. That's like, but there's gotta be more. And when I'm doing things that like the health and the sleep and for athletes, especially taking care of their mind and their body, it's that curiosity. Of, if I take care of everything, what else could I do on the court? You know, who else could I be out there?
0: How hard do you feel like that is? Uh, anything that is more difficult nowadays than it was in the past? I mean, do you feel like the taking care of one's body? Do you feel like that's an easier thing now for a teenager? I mean, oh, I, I
1: think it's so much easier because there's so much more accessible um, resources, and yeah. the food choices are just right there for everybody. I, I mean, you can definitely everything's about looking for evidence for what you want to find, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So the evidence to me is. Whether you have the professional coach helping you figure out that, that exact keyword that's going to get you to swish that ball in the basket every single time, or whether you have no money and you're coming up from poverty, doesn't matter. The resources are there for everybody. And the only thing that really matters, the fifth gift that I didn't say, is this brain that's better than any computer in the world, right? right. This brain that we've been given, the prefrontal cortex, when you engage that, then you don't need anything else. You have the divine light. You have your agency. You have this brain. You can figure it out. So then, then what? Whose responsibility is it after that?
0: Well, I like what you say too, where people are looking for evidence for anything. I mean, I I feel like just as much as somebody wants to say, okay, this person eats well and they perform better, and I know that there are also people that say, hey, this NBA player was raised on uh, licorice and and ding dongs, and they're fine. You know, so so it is kind of funny where we we want to just find whatever we 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 can to justify what we're doing. How do you break somebody out of that? I mean, do you get or do you maybe not get that person because they don't necessarily see. A problem with their diet or with their sleep or that sort of thing?
1: Well, the people who come to me are usually what I love is the people who come to me usually are really seeking yeah. uh, to see what else, are, what, what are the possibilities that they know they're holding themselves because they're limiting the right? right? So people who have like athletes who have weight issues, they're hiding, literally hiding in themselves because they're afraid of what's possible, right? Talk or about that they- a little more because
0: you, you come from a sport where was that a pretty uh, prevalent issue, weight, weight issues or so no? for me,
1: I remember, well, when I was, I was an elite gymnast when I was 16. And I remember one of my coaches, I said, Hey, so how come I didn't get to go through all the fast tracks? And she's like, we never thought you'd slim up. Right. Uh, so that was one of the, And then in college, after I tore my ACL, one of the coaches kind of not threatened, but kind of said, Hey, you got to do something about that weight because I got those freshmen 15. And then, mm-hmm. you know, just, you get that throughout your life as an athlete, either Intentionally or unintentionally, like parents, sometimes we say things that we don't intentionally mean, yeah. but then an athlete takes it as there's something wrong with me. Like I'm not going to be able to do this. Something I'm not. So as far as the weight goes, a lot of times, um, I really believe that that the reason why I tore my ACL is because I had gained weight my freshman mm-hmm. year, and so I wasn't able to flip the way I usually do, and my hand slipped off my leg because I didn't grab it as fast as I should have been in the middle of a flip in the air, and so I landed funky, which is fine. But I learned now, hey, weight is a huge reason for us to it's easy for us to hide from life when we're starting to not eat healthy then we don't sleep healthy and then we start having these just internal dialogues that that create um a lot of self-doubt so when you said do i work with people with self-doubt yeah that's all we all have self-doubt yeah. every day we have these I, I, like. I, I, when
0: I, I, i'm curious to know how do we get the people i mean and, and this is probably uh it's not like an easy easily answerable question but how do you get those people that could benefit from services like yours, or even with a mental health professional, but they just feel like they're okay. And I mean, even as I say it out loud, well, they have to know, they have to want to have change somehow.
1: That's exactly it. Cause I, I talked to a lot of teams. I talked to, I talked to a football coach and I said, Hey, your team's great, but let's make them amazing. Mm -hmm. And he's like, Oh no, no, I don't want my team to think if they think, then, you know, I just want them to hit. That's all I want. I don't, I don't want them to use their brain at all. Like, please, let's really, let's go the opposite where they're so dialed in that you blow everybody out of the water. Mm-hmm. You know, it's, and I have a lot of coaches. I just talked to another head coach of another team that I've been working with. The team had a lot of success with the team, but she, her first thought was, I just want them to get out of their heads. I'm like, oh no, we want them in their heads, but we want them in the right part of their heads.
0: There you right? go. Yeah. Yeah,
1: so not um, in the not in the avoiding pain, avoiding, you know, seeking pleasure and and using very little energy where we're just going to sit home and eat ice cream. Let's right. get him in the frontal cortex where we're like, I know exactly what I'm going to do to nail this routine every time.
0: Let me okay. ask you, about, you mentioned the injury and you you obviously that was a that was a big injury, the Taryn in and ACL. Um, how did you handle that? And how do you, had you help a lot of you get athletes that have been injured? Is that a lot of the work that you do as well?
1: I, so I get everything. I love that one because we always, any of us have the sensation of pain. I mean, I think you're an athlete too, right? Do I understand? Like you run in, you do track. Yeah. That's I, from what I understand. So you probably have aches and pains after a big triathlon or whatever, whatever you're doing. Um, so we have the physical sensation of
0: pain and everything well, else. Say, so, I mean, I, I do, yeah, I do ultra marathons and nothing I love more than uh, after a hundred mile race of not being able to, I don't know, have to walk down the stairs backwards for a couple of days. So I can't engage my quads or or having to fall onto the toilet or I mean, you know, I'm sure people hear it and say, really, that sounds awesome. But it is, I mean, it's this feeling it of accomplishment. I mean it is. Yeah, I enjoy that. Yeah. There's
1: satisfaction, but that's also a mindset because there's also the and it makes you want to do the next one. What else yeah. is possible? If I did this, what else can I do? Mm-hmm. And that kind of brings up a little nervous energy of, oh my gosh, if I did this with you know, how many people am I reaching on your podcast? Whatever you're doing right now with your life. If I can reach two people today, I wonder if I can reach four tomorrow and help them. My, what I want to do is I want to make sure that everybody takes action and yeah. the action I want them to take is massive action, which isn't just, I tried it all. Cause I have um, a daughter in college and she's like, mom, I tried everything, nothing works. I'm like, Hey, that's what our lower brain wants us to believe Cause it wants us to go back in the cave and eat ice cream and not come out. Yeah. Right. So when you can get to the massive action where you just don't stop until you get what you want, where you, you're okay with pain and frustration and walking downstairs where your quads don't work because that's just part of the game. That does take a lot of energy and time to get to that point. But you know what? Everybody has that in them. Mm-hmm. Everybody has the ability. But how do I get them from the injury? I, I ex- explained to him number one, with an injury, the pain comes from like the broken knee, right? That's a sensation. I remember limping to the to the training room and they said, Oh, you're good. You can compete this weekend at UC Berkeley. I'm like, Great, sweet. So right. I was just in bars, right? But then right before we left, another doctor came in. He's like, Oh, no, it's completely torn. Guess you can't compete. I'm like, oh, okay, whatever. Like, it didn't bother me. I remember my my two senior um, teammates crying when they found out I hurt my knee. I'm like, "But you guys, I'll be back in six months. I mean, I know that's disappointing. I'm sorry for the team, but it's not a problem, right? It's just an injury. It's gonna. These guys are amazing. These doctors are amazing. They're gonna make it stronger. I'm gonna get this jumper, high knee, cadaver tendon in my knee, and it's gonna be amazing. I'm gonna be better than ever, right? Yeah. So that's what my brain thought. But um, but when I get athletes who are like, this is a problem then I just work on the drama part of the pain because the pain's one thing and our bodies heal miraculously all the time it's amazing what doctors can do and sometimes it doesn't sometimes you're done and that's okay too but we go through all of it and we just take the mind and we decide what do you want this to mean what kind of story are you writing is this something that's going to be um a sad story for the rest of your life or is this something that's going to be empowering and inspiring and get you doing more than you ever thought you could do right? So we always go with the feelings that come from the brain that we release those neurochemicals that yeah. drive action. So I want to drive as much action as possible where they don't quit until they get whatever result they want. And the action isn't, you try five things and now you have excuses to give up. Like this mom who's like, she lost a skill, So maybe she should go play with her friends. Every teenager when they're 14 to 18 to 19 are like, maybe I wasted all my time in this, in a sport. And I missed out on life. No, that's that's a thought, and you can believe that. But when it comes to injuries and when, when it comes to being a teenager, our brain's gonna tell us why maybe what we're doing is wrong. Maybe we're not enough, maybe you're missing out. Those are some of the foundational fears of everybody, right? Maybe if my child does this and they're gonna miss this. Maybe yeah. if he doesn't do this, if he doesn't score those 40 points, he's not gonna get what I thought he was gonna get. And that feels scary. And that feels a little nervous, you know, a little scary. And that feeling is going to drive a totally different action than thinking, hey, this is exactly where you're supposed to be right here. For me, that was the injury I was supposed to have. Why? Because I have it.
0: Yeah, yeah. And now that's the data we're working with. Now where do we go, right? Yeah.
1: Now what? I still have another day. I still have a body,
0: you know? So um, let me hit that uh, concept I had emailed you about a little bit last minute. And that's that, uh, you know, we're kind of in this world now of travel ball and twenty, you know, 365-day-a-year AAU ball. I mean, all of these things. And I yeah. feel like there's a there's a lot of uh, I don't know controversy is the right word, but people that feel like yeah. okay that is you know they need to be more um, spread out with sports they need to not focus it's going to lead to more burnout. Uh, what, what do you what do you say to that?
1: Hmm. Okay, I love when parents are like this is detrimental to my child. You know this could be hard for my child. This is this is something that's going to ruin their you know their ability to socialize with friends normally because all they do is this. It's all thoughts. What do you want to believe? And do you want to believe that your child is suffering because they're excelling in a sport? Do you want to believe that there's they're um going to have, you know, social anxiety because they don't know how to get along with athletes or other schoolmates? Do you want to believe that a year-round sport is actually harmful for them? Because I can show you a lot of evidence where it's not. Yeah. I can show you a lot of evidence where parents think that is the case and where people want to blame the sport on whatever problem their child's having. You know, that we have a lot of problems right now in the USA gymnastics world because of things that have happened yeah. and that's okay. We can, we can, but there's pain all the time in the world. And if we want to give the power to the people or the basketball or the event or the perform, whatever, if we want to give our power to that, that's okay. You can, but how does that feel? And what does that do to serve you moving forward? How is that going to help you today to become the person that you want to become tomorrow? Yeah. You know. Yeah. So if you want to blame a sport on being a problem because it's 365 days a year, but your child loves it and can't get enough of it, go ahead. That's okay. But how is that serving you?
0: So that's the key, right? And I think that's what maybe we talked about before we hit record too. I mean, it really is about if your kid is telling you that they're, they are burned out or they don't like it or that sort of thing. I mean, is that, is the fine line there of, is that just a thought they're telling themselves because they don't want to do the work? Or is it a, I got to listen to my kid, you know, yeah, I don't know yeah. that be difficult.
1: Yeah. So I'll tell you something about just another thought, another client where the, the child was struggling in the sport and struggling with, should I just go hang out with friends? Because this happens a lot where they're like, Hey, is it, should I be encouraging them to stay in the sport? Should I take them out? What do I want? I say, Oh, first, let's make sure your child loves the sport again, because a lot of times the fears are the reason why they leave. Let's make sure it's not fear-based leaving okay. when they love the sport, when they're a hundred percent, this is what I want to do. I love this. And then they go, but I don't want to keep doing it. My relationship is perfect because it's ended with this sport, not because I hated the sport or it was scary, but because I loved it so much that I realized it's ended. You know, yeah, there's, yeah. there's that, you don't want to leave a sport because you were afraid of the sport. Yeah, because it's exactly if I love it. Yeah.
0: It's okay. So it's kind of rooted in that foundation, right? Which kind of leads yeah. to where you had talked to, and I liked one of these, uh, when we were trading a couple of things, um, uh, creating a foundation of this is all for fun anyway. I mean, so that's okay. You you, you think that's an, that's okay, right?
1: Oh my gosh, that's everything. Like I said, the foundation is we're 100 amazing because we didn't even we didn't even make ourselves right. Mm-hmm. So everything based on 100 percent amazing abundance worth all that. Everything else is for fun, and everything else is because we're curious. What what else can we do with this body that we well,
0: okay. think? This is where I want to take advantage of your uh, enthusiasm. Maybe it, coaches will listen to this. A lot of coaches will listen to this, and the ones that are like you know it's not about fun. It's about winning. It's about whatever. It's about, you know, what do you, cause you get to talk to coaches. You get to talk to athletes. Do you tell them to pipe down and have fun or, you know, what do you do as a therapist? Oh, no. I have to say, tell me more, you know, where does that <laughs> come from? Um, but uh, yeah, you tell them right now, what do you say to those coaches that they you know the fun was whatever, when they were a kid, now they got to right. win.
1: Do you want to find out what your athlete is capable of? You give them a foundation of abundance, you give them a foundation of confidence, and then they're going to know a, then the sky's the limit. You don't know what they're capable of when they don't think that they can do enough, when they don't think they're good enough, when they think that, you know, I have to do this for the coach or for the team. Oh, that's one of those thoughts. And I'm like, wait, 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 let's back up a little bit. This it's is like not for the team. Yeah. Okay. It's not. If you put the team and the judges and the coaches in front of you, then you're never going to be the happy that you could be right. Cause you're, you're coming from a basis of, I might not perform well enough.
0: Okay, right? this is good. Are you, are you a basketball fan at all? Amy? Um, I enjoy watching all sports. Okay. So there was, I mean, there was a uh, pistol Pete Maravich. I don't know if you know that name from long ago. So pistol Pete was a, this transformational figure and, and he was, uh, he's the first guys that were doing uh, behind the back passes and all kinds of crazy stuff. And there were coaches at the time that said that is not basketball. You know, that is, that should be on the playgrounds, whatever. Well, you know, now it, 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 people work on those skills and now, um, it's a, it's a skill to be able to behind your back with your left hand, your right hand, and I did get out of traffic. And then you've got somebody like a Steph Curry who now shoots from, you know, 10 feet behind the three-point line where if, if he had not had that nurtured, right, if he had put the coach before him, um, now, I mean, now you got the whole NBA has changed with uh, spreading the court and, and shooting from long distance. And so I, I do feel like at times where athletes feel like they can't be themselves, which would then mean they aren't having fun, right? No.
1: If you can bring the passion of the sport, what I don't like is when you hear of Olympians who are depressed. I'm like, wait, those do not go hand in hand because we think that if we get a certain win or if we get a certain number of points or if we get a score of a 10-0, then we're going to be happy. That's just not true. The happiness is generated from us all the time and we can create that anytime we want. But then as soon as we get it, the carrot moves with the carrot in front of you is like, hey, if you get this, you're going to be so happy. And then all of a sudden it's like, wait, I thought that was it. Maybe it's over here. Maybe if you do this many points, then you'll feel good enough and you'll be happy. No, a win is just like a rest stop on a freeway. You get off and you cheer for yourself and then you're right back on the freeway because the freeway, the 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 road is the excitement, right? Mm-hmm. Getting off for a second of just cheering yourself like I did something great, great. Now get back on, let's see what else you can do. That's the satisfaction. Yeah, Being excited yeah. for a win, thinking that's gonna bring you all the joy in life. That's so dissatisfying.
0: So right? then you, you advise if you have a, if you have a, client you're working with, uh, an athlete, and they do have a coach that you feel, or they feel is holding them back or limiting them. What do you do with that?
1: Oh, well, we take the coach out of the picture. Okay. Well, first of all, I take the sport out of the picture. Now this scares coaches okay. I'm like, let's get the sport out of Let's, let's strip everything away and let's create whatever you want to feel without anything else in your life. And then let's start building again, because when you can get the passion of why did you play in the first place when little kids were, you know, five doing cartwheels on the playground, that's the feeling that you want when you're doing the 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 competition and you know in in the Olympics you want that same feeling because that opens up your mind to hey this is for fun and this is going to be even more fun if I can do this instead of I hope I perform then that drives yeah. a different feeling a different action and you're never going to see what they're capable of yeah you can. They can be so talented, but you will never know what that talent could have been yeah. if you if you make them think that this is a serious like this meat is important. This one's not important. No, every meat is fun and important. This you, practice.
0: Uh, yeah, yeah, I have to I have to selfishly now sabotage this with. Uh, are or are you are you familiar with this uh, sport stunt that is uh, getting big? Do you know this in high school? It's uh, it's a combination of. Um, oh, it's stunt. So it's cheerleading and gymnastics kind of together. Have you, is that? Um, I've heard of it. Okay. So I have a daughter that is in stunt and uh, we've never done this before. And We just went to uh we, we won state and we won nationals in this competitive cheer, I guess, which is separate uh-huh. than stunt, but I'm leading to that. But I mean, I had never been around that before. And it was pretty overwhelming to see, you know, these girls went to Vegas and they had two, three minute re- routines and that was it, you know, and, mm-hmm. and just that pressure to feel like there can be no mistakes. And, and I mm-hmm. felt like our, our coaches did do a good job of saying, Hey, just just have fun, you know? And I, and I, and I felt like it was pretty genuine, but you would also see others that were saying, this is your moment. You do, you know, you must stay focused. You cannot mess up. And which one of those do you feel like is more productive?
1: Mm. So I think some people are motivated by the extreme, like getting their face kind of thing. And I definitely think some are like, Hey, if you go out there and you point your toes the whole time, then that's the one goal you're working on this time. That's all you have to worry about. I had an athlete yesterday that had a swim meet and we, we broke down exactly what she needed to do because she has so much anxiety to not only the 10 things that would get her better, but then we took each one of those 10 things and got 10 more things from each one of those 10 things. So there's a hundred things. We okay. picked one of the hundred. The only thing she focused on, on this huge meet was that one tiny thing. And she took second place. Went from last place before, the meet before to second place right? Mm-hmm. From one tiny little thing. So all she did is, cause I said, are you capable of doing that? This meet? And she goes, yeah. And I, she, I said, are you capable of doing this 300 freestyle or whatever it was? Some big thing. She goes, no, that's like death to me. So can you do this one little thing? She goes, yeah, she did that one little thing and she got second place, right? When you break it down, when you're out there performing, if you think of a big picture, it's overwhelming. We take the overwhelm away. And then all of a sudden they perform so well. When we give them the ability, do something great.
0: Um yeah, I, you, you there you said something that maybe uh, really triggered something for me. the i my son has a coach that is uh, he's so good, um, but he, you know my son uh, doesn't necessarily react negative or positive with a lot of the kind of a yelling. So yeah. uh, you know this coach just knows he points at his head and 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 my son Jake, just knows, okay, you know, kind of calm things down, get get yourself back uh, centered. but I know that there are other kids that you know he will he will yell at. And, uh, and that is what motivates them. And, uh, you know, so do you have to kind of assess that? I mean, is that what you're figuring out as well? What motivates that athlete?
1: Yeah, no, I let them figure out what motivates them. And okay. then they let, they let their coach know because the how
0: motivation, how do they find, that out, how do they find that out? Cause I mean, I've got some coaches that are just like, no yelling works, you know, and you watch kids shut down and, and not, and, you know, yeah,
1: yeah. I think that a lot of coaches, when they say this is a team, I want to say, no, this is an individual.
0: Okay. Oh Yeah.
1: And then everything, like I said, breaks down to the smaller, smaller, smaller. And then when the individual can say, this is what I need, then like I said, you can think that the team needs to be yelled at, but if you really pay attention to the individual, then you can learn as a coach, it's the same thing. You're breaking it down to the little pieces as a coach. If you want to see what your athlete's capable of, you find out what the individual wants to find out. And you get that individual in with the Sports performance coach like myself, and you let me help them figure out where their mental game is. And let's figure out what they think is going to motivate them. And I tell you what, when they get into their own head, because they can be told things all the time, coaches yell at the kids all the time, like, hey, right. put your toes, get tighter, throw better, whatever it is. And it's all going over their head because they're not in their own head. It's yeah. the coach's head. Those are the coach's thoughts. Those aren't their thoughts, right? When you get into their thoughts and they have time to really think about their thoughts, which we don't get into our own thoughts very often, we, we listen to everybody telling us what to think. But when we let our own brain get quiet and we kind of close our eyes and we start listening to that, the quiet brain, which I say is the prefrontal cortex, then you find out what you want. And then you find out what motivates you. You find out how to generate that motivation in any moment that you need it. And then you get the action that you need precisely in that moment to make that score, to do exactly what you need to do. That's motivation. It doesn't matter if your coach is yelling at you. That doesn't change anything that you I like what you
0: said though. That's even more for him. Cause I mean, sometimes my wife and I will laugh when you're hearing a coach say things like, you know just you know, come on you got to try harder and it's like the kids like oh i hadn't thought of that you know or or you know <laughs> we got to make this shot it's like okay i'll make this one you know i was
1: supposed to make the other ones right. but the one. Okay, i'm clear right yeah, it's kind right? of funny because yeah. kids are like oh you want me to do it this time when the coach is like you got this and you're like i know i think i got it as soon as they have this i hope i have it then that's where all the confidence is gone yeah. Right. Yeah. You just have a little bit of self-doubt. That's not confidence. That's not showing up for yourself. Like when I talk about confidence as a foundation, yeah. a foundation, when you learn how to trust yourself, it doesn't matter if your team's not playing well, you're going to play well. It doesn't matter if they're scoring. You know, when teams like at the end of the game, you're like, Oh, the whole team's going down. It's not true. But you like to be part of a community. We have that, you know, um, the oxytocin that's like be a group, whether you're failing or winning. No, you're an individual still and you can still stand out in your group and be the leader to pull them back up. But if you're if your coach is getting more intense and the coach's thoughts are you're not doing well enough and you believe those thoughts, okay. then your okay. your ability to play is gonna go dramatically down. Yeah. Because you're yeah. gonna be tense. How do you play when you're tense? Your shoulders are up, you're throwing, your rhythm's off. Every, the result is death, right? Everything goes down. You're stopping yourself from what you're capable of because you feel this tension that you're believing. You don't have to believe anything that your coach says. If you want to, that's great. Your coaches have great information until they start thinking that things are going wrong. Then you got to stop believing that, right? Because yeah. that's not going to help your own belief.
0: All right. Uh, I love that you, uh, now you have to put up with my ADD now that we've, uh, we we've, were out in the open with this, um, the oxytocin, I did a whole podcast on that and you're right. It's about community, but it's also called the cuddle or the love hormone. So now you just have me picturing that, you know, all of that. So they're all just hugging it out. Right. That's what they're doing, <laughs> um, which is a good, uh, all right, Amy, uh, we only got a couple more minutes. Are there some, some things that you, like we didn't get to that you wanted to kind of talk about today? Cause I I'm, I'm digging this. I really love the concept of just you really are in charge of what you're going to kind of believe what the stories are that you are going to tell and that, and, and that it is being able to recognize this is the work I get to do in therapy, which I love is uh, you know, the acceptance and commitment therapy says that its core foundation is you're going to have all the thoughts and feelings and emotions and all those things you do, because that's your individual journey. That's the baggage you bring to that situation. And then Mm -hmm. your brain is going to try to fuse or hook you to these thoughts that, well, it wants to protect you. It, it, is, it doesn't want you to possibly fail or possibly succeed, and then don't know what to. So, I mean, I love it. everything you're saying. Is uh, it kind of goes along with that? So then it's like, what do you do with that thought? Is it a productive thought? And in acceptance and commitment therapy, you know, the, the thought might be, okay, if you if you miss this shot, you know, people are going to be angry. It's like the, in acceptance and commitment therapy, it's like maybe. I mean, that you know, you're not even judging if the fo- is the thought is true or false. It, it, is it a productive thought towards your goal? Exactly.
1: And I feel like I feel like
0: you're preaching that. I mean, that's I love exactly. it. Yeah. And
1: here's my thing. I I would say I I mean if I wanted to leave you with one thing, number one, trust yourself. And learning to trust yourself, in my thing, I'm like, get a sports performance coach, get somebody who can help I you can learn make- what that means, yeah. right? Yeah. But yeah. if you want a dream to come true, you have to create a sentence first. You have to create the everything that's been created around us is because somebody created a sentence. And then from the creating the sentence, you have to believe it. So you have to feel it, right? From yeah. that, you're going to take action. And the action is not just, oh, I tried three things. It didn't work. I guess I have an excuse to quit. It's, no, you tried 10 things. They didn't work. Let's try 10 more until you get the result. And then the fifth thing is, oh, i, I sorry. The second thing is write the sentence down. So create the hey, sentence. I'm doing it right now. That's kind of nice. Oh, look at you. <laughs> create the <laughs> sentence. Write the sentence down. Believe the sentence. So you're going to feel it. You're generating the feeling that you need to take the action, number four, take massive action. Don't stop on 10. Don't stop at a hundred. You just don't stop. And then the fifth one is actions always create results. So if you want a dream, that's it. That's how you get your dream.
0: Mm -hmm. Oh, I love it. Um, Can I get those from you? Maybe I'll put them on the show notes. Those uh, those. Okay. That'd be great.
1: Uh, Every dream come true. Yes. Uh,
0: Okay. And uh, were you singing any Disney songs in your head when you talk about dreams come true or a dream is a heart? uh, I
1: I always sing um, the greatest showman. (laughs) <laughs> okay.
0: Um, okay, okay. Now you have to do this one. Uh, talking about uh, you know, uh, church. So uh, uh, my wife and I were in the nursery for about a year and a half and there was a girl there that could do all the songs of The Greatest Showman. That's
1: so, <laughs> still keep the little three-year-olds that sing it. I yeah. hear them all the time. I'm like, it was you cute. know, it's never
0: enough. <laughs> yep. We, we miss that very, very much. Uh, all right, Amy, where can people find you?
1: Uh, FlippinAwesomeCoaching.com
0: Okay. I love it. Flippin, F-L-I-P-P-I-N, awesomecoaching.com. I'll have links to everything on the show notes, but I'm just really grateful that uh, that we connected and I can't wait to, I don't know I got a lot of other things around sports and performance and just anxiety and competence and parents and all that stuff. Can't wait to have you back on.
1: Yes, I would love it. Thank you, Tony. I appreciate your time.
0: Okay, hang on a second. Uh, I'll hit, well, but in, but I, yeah, hang on one second.
1: Compressed emotions flying past our heads and the other end, the pressures of the daily grind. It's wonderful. Elastic waste and rubber ghost are floating past the midnight hour. They push aside.